Hey everybody, this is Fran Frischella and welcome to World of Basketball, our 49th episode today, if you can believe that. And uh, if you're just a new listener, uh, make sure that uh, you uh, go back and uh, download the SiriusXM app. Uh, we are part of the SiriusXM podcast network, and you can go back and enjoy many of the 48 previous shows we've already taped with basketball, uh, let's just say interesting personalities from around the basketball globe. We've got, we've got players, NBA and, and international players, coaches, executives, people who have been close to the world of basketball and have helped shrink this great game we all love. So download that SiriusXM app and go back and listen to many of the shows. And also uh, go ahead and rate and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts as well. And we we love the positive rating. It lets the uh, the bosses at Sirius know that we're doing a good job and we're bringing you content that uh, from a basketball perspective, I'm not sure you can get anywhere else in the podcast world. We really do try to shrink that globe for you and uh, and and bring you interesting guests. Speaking of interesting guests, um, and I know my uh, my cohort, Chris Tyler, my producer and co-host, he loves the idea that Josh Giddy, the 18-year-old Aussie sensation, who we have had on the World of Basketball podcast just recently, and will be a first-round pick uh, in late July, Josh Giddy, the 6'8 point guard, Mr. Christopher Tyler, just recorded his second triple-double of the NBL season. You ready for this? 15 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. I know as a guy from down under, that has to warm your heart. Of course. He's dominating the league as an 18-year-old. We saw that with Lamelo last year. We're doing it one step better. It's an Australian, a young Australian player dominating our local league. And we know how much that translates. We saw Lamelo's jump to the NBA. is looking really good before he, he had the injury. So we're hoping that uh, that Josh can make a similar leap next year. But you're right. He's certainly working himself into certainly a lottery pick now. I think it was a foregone conclusion that he was a first-round pick at least probably a month ago. But now that the college season has stopped and more eyes have kind of gone on Josh and he's putting yeah. up triple-doubles now... He, he could work himself into a top 10 pick. That's that's certainly not out of the question being a top 10 pick. It's certainly not. And the other thing about his great year is that uh, I think this strengthens his opportunity to play on the Australian Olympic team in July. I got to think this is going to really help him. His versatility kind of reminds me, he's not quite, he's not quite Ben Simmons, but he's, Got that kind of versatility. This has got to help his chances with Brian Gorgian's Boomers Club. Absolutely. Just by the way, speaking of the Olympics, yeah. a little birdie told me that you're actually going to be part of the Olympics with NBC again. Is that true? Well, we're not we're not finalized yet uh, as far as any announcements, but uh, I did the Olympics for NBC back in 2016, uh, the Rio Olympics. And uh, let's just say that at some point in late July, you will hear my voice on some international basketball. I don't know what big event is uh, happening in, uh, in uh, late July in the Asian Pacific <laughs> region, but let's just say that there's a good chance I'll be talking some international hoop, and uh, we may actually have, Chris, some, some guests uh, uh, as we lead up to, to uh, the Olympic Games. And quite frankly, Sergio Scariolo, who's been a guest on our show 
uh, the assistant coach of the Toronto Raptors. He'll lead the Spanish Olympic team again. And uh, we'll get a chance probably to talk to him. I'll see him actually uh, this week down in Tampa. We're going to visit a little bit. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the guys that uh, – there'll be some Olympic connections to the World of Basketball podcast. Let's put it that way. For sure. We're going to have plenty of content out there. We've already got a bunch of ideas that we're working on right now. So make sure, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the feed, follow our feed, do whatever you can to make sure you stay up to date with every episode so that when we do get to the Olympic coverage, yeah, it's right there. You don't even have to look for it. You don't have to remember about it. It's just right there in your feed, ready to go. Yep. And speaking of World of Basketball, uh, our podcast, congratulations to Kyle Hines, and Ettore Messina, player and coach of Armani Milan, two uh, previous guests on our World of Basketball podcast, two of our earlier guests, really, when you yeah. think about it. They came on last summer during the pandemic, and uh, uh, Armani Milan will head to the EuroLeague's Final Four, which is an incredible feat. Uh, I think we got Barcelona in, Cheska Moscow, and uh, Ephes from Turkey, so four powerhouses in the Euro League, and uh, and we also may be uh, you may be putting together something special for us, I believe, for uh, for for the Euro League final four at the end of the month of May. So uh, kudos to Kyle, Sir Hines, one of the great, most decorated American players in Europe over the last twenty years, and uh, our friend and great coach Ettore Messina for getting uh, Milan to the uh, to the Euro League final four. Yeah, we're going to have uh, some content in regards to that as well. It's obviously a big deal. Outside of the United States, this is probably one of the biggest basketball events in the world, outside of the Olympics as well, of course. So we really want to be able to highlight how big this is, how important the Final Four is to these European clubs and these fans as well. Uh, no question. And, uh, well, listen, without further ado, you don't, did, uh, people don't want to listen to you and I uh, wax poetic. Uh, today's special guest is a guy that I've known uh, and watched play since he was 16 years old. Uh, I got off a plane in Venice, Italy in 2004 uh, to work the uh, Reebok Euro camp and the Reebok big man camp. And uh, the director of the camp and my good friend, Pete Philo, my former player and NBA scout, Reebok executive, picked me up at the airport and we drove two hours to see a 16-year-old point guard play. Now, he's grown since then, but uh, it's the first time I laid eyes on Danilo Gallinari. Uh, was back in 2004. Danilo's had really a, an outstanding NBA career. Uh, First-round pick and lottery pick of the New York Knicks. Uh, despite many injuries and surgeries, this is a guy that over a decade-plus has averaged about 17 points a game. And uh, this year signing as a free agent, really taking a leap of faith with the Atlanta Hawks. When he has been healthy, he's been a dynamite part of the resurgence of one of the best young teams in the NBA. And uh, Danilo gets into his career, uh, making the transition to the NBA, playing in New York with the Knicks as a first-round pick and the pressure that, uh, that comes with, playing with superstars like Chris Paul. And now – being a mentor uh, to some terrific young players on the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, Danilo is a great story. He's a great uh, person. And uh, his, his career beyond basketball is uh, only getting started. So without further ado, Atlanta Hawks, Danilo Gallinari. Gallo, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it's good. It's good to see you. 
Always a pleasure. Uh, and we'll get into your early days as a young player in Italy and your family background. Um, you, you had a chance. You, you have had uh, a really solid NBA career. You've had some injuries. We'll talk about that. But you have been, uh, been I think, the outside as a basketball fan, a very good career for you. And you've been on a few teams. Now that you are a veteran, and I can't believe that a time has flown like this, what and you signed in Atlanta, which was a little bit of a surprise to some people because they were not a playoff team when you signed. What makes a good NBA teammate? Like what to you in your career makes you or anybody else a really good NBA teammate? Uh, I think, you know, a teammate that um, is a straightforward and a teammate that makes you better. Um and when we talk about teammates, that they could be also very good friends in your life. Uh, those teammates, they make you better, not just on the basketball court, but on, on the outside, outside the basketball court, uh, giving you life advices and also experiences, some of the, the, the experiences that you, you challenge, uh, the challenges that you have in life. How have you gr gravitated from being that rookie in New York uh, to where you are now as a veteran and somebody who is trying to be a great teammate with a with a pretty young team? Uh, I think it's a, it's a process that, you know, uh, people and players that are lucky enough like me to play 10 plus years in, in the NBA is a process that you go through. I think it's pretty natural. Um, and, and to see and one thing that I love that I've been doing uh, in the last, few years three four years i've been playing you know the nba is getting younger and younger um so many you know new young players um and so you need to be a, a good vet and you need to you know also uh, help all these young players through the the ups and downs that they're going to have and i think that that's something that i really enjoy not just playing basketball but just enjoying these experience with them when you think back to your early years in New York, did, I always hear this term from my friends in the NBA, good vet. Did, did you have a good vet or two to treat, teach you the ropes? Uh, I had great vets. I was honestly very, very lucky. I had great vets. Uh, and, you know, from Jamal Crawford to uh, Malik Rose, uh, just to name, you know, two of uh, the vets, the best that I had. Um, and, you know, I still still talk to them and I still remember all those days where they were really helping me out. Yeah, that's really cool. You had a vet you played with yet last year. He you were a vet, but he was a vet, too. And he helped your team to a pretty good season. Chris Paul, uh, you guys seem to blend really well on the court. Your pick and roll offense was amazing last year. What was it like playing with a point guard? that is that that good at keeping his team involved uh well you can see you know every every uh, everything that he's been on he makes everybody else better uh, you are you can see what he's doing with the phoenix team right now uh, i had no doubts that they were gonna do uh, very well uh to play to play with uh, cps uh, he makes you know life my life way way easier uh especially if <laughs> The high, Q, yeah. the high Q that he got in terms of, of basketball. Sometimes we didn't even need to talk about situations. We were just looking at each other's eyes and, and we were like, okay, we're going to run this play or, okay, 
uh, this is the time we need to step up and bring it up a notch. You know, all these little things that makes the difference, but makes, you know, the team and your teammates better. I noticed last year you stood on that left slot wing and waited for that ball to come to you many nights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was coming. You know, if the, if the defender was, was uh, not smart enough to help, the ball was coming and I was just shooting the three wide open. When the, when the, when the defender was not helping, either CP or the big man, they had a straight line to the basket. So it's very easy. That's cool. Well, as I mentioned, you had a lot of good choices uh, as a free agent this year. A lot of playoff teams were interested in you. That was the talk during the summer after the bubble. You chose Atlanta, a young team, had not won. Uh, Obviously, you had a variety of reasons why. What was ultimately the decision about Atlanta for you and how it fit you? Uh, I believe, you know, after talking to uh, the the owner, the GM, and talking to the to all the people representing the franchise, they were very. First of all, they were very convincing. Uh, they, I think that the, the the idea that they had of all these years, uh, you know, growing these young talented players, and now understanding, and now is the time for for them to to win. I think it was great and gave, gave me gave me a great motivation. And you know the season is not over; still a long season. But I can say, you know, look what we're doing. We are in the fourth seed right now. Of course, in every team that I go to, everybody either don't don't put us. I'm overachieving every every year. So and you know this. So last two years in LA, 33 wins. We went to playoff, clinching the playoffs. Uh, seven we seven games to go in the Western Conference. Last year they gave us maybe zero point something percent percentage to go to the playoff. We finished fifth and we almost won Game Seven, going to the second round against the Rockets. So uh, I'm used to all this talk. Uh, I guess the the people that are that, that you know they they make all these comments. They're not very smart in terms of basketball. Um, but I but you know every decision the decision that I made was very you know I thought about it a lot. Uh, and I think that this was the best situation for me. And, and like I told you, I really enjoyed playing and helping young players, young talented players like I did in the last two, three years. And I thought it was, this was another great chance to do the same thing. Speaking of young talented players, how have you seen in a short period of time, Trey Young, who I watched, I've known since sixth grade, uh, you know, watching him as a young boy in Oklahoma. What are you seeing out of him? You can see you can see the development and how much uh, uh, Trey improved game by game. The way that he's playing right now uh, compared to the way that he was playing at the beginning of the season, uh, he's just getting better and better game. You know, game by game, especially uh, you know to control as a point guard, you need to control the pace of the game, uh, and then and then you know you need to understand when is the the time to be a scorer, uh, and he's an amazing scorer. And when is the time to get, you know, your teammates involved, uh, considering the fact that we have a lot of weapons in this team. So uh, and I think that he's, he's doing a way better job now. Uh, and like you said, you know, turnovers, uh, controlling the, the tempo is he's, he's been great. So, yeah, not not to be critical of what happened with the coaching change, but how much of a difference I, when I think of Nate, I think of him. He's a professional coach. He's no nonsense. How, how much of a difference does somebody who's been around this league for a long time make on a team that has veterans and young guys? 
Yeah, I mean, we, me and me and Nate, we go, we never, you know, worked together, but we go a little way back because back when it was the first few years in Indiana, we there was a chance for me to go and play uh, for him there. Um, but also, you know, the, we have we have a very pro, uh, close relationship with a mutual friend, which is Coach Carr. Uh, and George coached me in Denver, and he coached in in, uh, in Seattle. So they're very close. I'm very close with Coach, and so uh, we, you know, we share a lot of stories uh, about his story, you know, his time with with Coach Carr and my time with Coach Carr. So, uh, but like you said, he's uh, you know he's been doing a great job, uh, but you know he's the, the the job is not done. We still have a long way to go, but he's definitely doing a a great job. What did you get out of playing for George Carl? You got traded. We'll talk about that, but you got traded. I'm a Knicks fan. You knew that my whole life. And to me, that was a bad trade, but we don't, we don't have to talk about that part. But what, what did you get out of playing for George Carl? Um, you know, it was it was great to to play for him because the coach that, you know, is has been with in winning teams knows what it takes to get there. And to he has a winning mentality, he's very old school. Um, and, you know, he gave me some very good, you know, uh, thoughts and phrases that I still remember. One, one, of, one of the things that I remember the most is uh, he always used to say, you know, if you cheat the game, the game will cheat you. So I always respect the game uh, and, and, you know, and never uh, shortcut uh, to win. You got to do certain things and those things you got to do. One thing that you have always done is respect the game because you grew up in a basketball family. Uh, your father was a, a, a terrific pro professional player in Italy, uh, a rough guy, a tough guy, a defensive guy. What was it like growing up in a how do you were you around when he was finishing his career? Do you remember him playing? I was very little. Uh, I was maybe, you know, last year that he played professional, I was like five, six years old. So I don't have a, a lot of memories. But of course, I watched a lot of a lot of videos uh, about him, the teams that he played. Uh, of course. So, uh, yeah, like you said, it was it was great, um, especially all the, the, the things that he won uh, overseas and the fact that he was able to play 19 uh, professional season is just remarkable. When you were young and he was retiring, uh, of course, he played with Mike D'Antoni. How far back do you go with Mike? Do you remember him as a boy? And when you see him now, do you you speak in Italian? Yeah, yeah. We, we of course we speak in Italian, and the 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 best part is just all the the stories that that he was able to share with me, and and sharing those stories back in the days with my with my dad is just you know they played together for so many years that they have so many. Uh, things to to share that you know of course they've been sharing with me and and it's been great so my years in new york with mike they were great yeah yeah i can imagine because he he there's a there's that great connection there you are a great i'm not just saying this you don't have to agree with me but you are a great shooter especially for somebody who's your size your father was not a great shooter how did you become, as a little boy, and then as a, as you were growing up through the game, how did you become such a good shooter? What what is the secret? If there's a secret, uh, well, I think that you know there is there is some talent, of course. Uh, we I like to say we we in the family we say that I got my talent from my mom, not from my dad. But um, is you know is uh, of course you gotta have, you gotta have a little talent, but. 
uh, when I think about my, my shooting and my past, I think about all those uh, hours in the gym, you know, working out the whole time, maybe a little too much. If I think about it right now, I was really working out <laughs> a lot, but uh, you, you need to, you know, in order, in order to be successful and especially to be consistent with, uh, with your shooting uh, uh, skills, you need to practice them. Who's a better shooter, you or Bogdan? Uh, that's a that's a tough one, but um, that's a tough one. He's, he's an amazing he's an amazing shooter too. Um, I would say I would say that you know maybe catch and shoot. Uh, I might be better, but on the move on the move he's better than me. Yeah, have you have you had some horse contests in practice? Uh, yeah, it's 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 almost impossible to beat him in practice. So. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I would pay to see that. I want to. I would pay to see you two guys shooting in practice. Yeah. That's, if you come to the our cool. gym, our gym, we have like 10, 10 different drills, and uh, we have yeah. the best player of every drill, and he's the best player in all ten of them. So, wow, wow, that's amazing. Well, that's still pretty. That's pretty good company that you're in because you can shoot it too. When I got off that plane in two thousand four with Pete Philo, he took me to see you practice the summer before you turned professional i think it was june and you were six foot six i believe if i'm wrong tell me but you were a point guard is that correct yeah it's correct i a lot of you know something that maybe a lot of people here don't know that i grew up playing as a point guard i played point guard until i was 15 16 like you said and then when you start playing pro pro and play with the with the you know with the big boys maybe you start playing the three uh, yeah. But I always, uh, you know, the ball in my hands, <laughs> and you know that's that's still my favorite position to play. Yeah, well, you play, you 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 make plays from from uh, from your spot anyway. Uh, what is it like most when we when we talk to you know you know you've been in America long enough you know the two systems for young players are different college and you know professional if you're fortunate. What's it like to be 16 or 17 and turn professional? And I imagine your dad had a lot of help with you because he had been through what you went through as a young player. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, like you said, I was lucky to have my dad and my mom helping me with the, with that process. But it's definitely not an easy process, uh, especially overseas. You know, it's a different kind of basketball. And, uh, uh, you know, when, when you are you turn pro at 16, I was playing with 30, 35 years old uh you know, man, and you know, is is never easy, and they definitely don't make it easy on you. I think that the process for a 16, 17 years old uh, guy that plays with 30 year old men in the states is a little easier than Europe. In Europe, they don't make it that you know that that easy. Uh, but <laughs> um, you know, you, you got to go through stuff, uh, and you know, but that all that stuff that you go yeah. through in, on and off the court just makes you stronger. I remember in Milan, you played. I I. I called uh, Casey Shaw to ask him about you. And he said he is going to be very good and he is a great guy. Uh, you remember those days with Booker and Shaw and those Americans that probably yeah. helped you get ready to come to the NBA? For sure. I still, I still talk to Casey nowadays. Now he's into coaching now. So I still, still talk to Casey every, uh, every time. Every time I go, I go uh, to, I used to go, when I was going to Chicago, I used to see him in Chicago. Now with his coaching is a little tougher. And of course, uh, you know, the story with Melvin and his son, Devin being an amazing player right now, you know, is, uh, is, uh, is just, you just 
reminds me every time that I'm not as young as Devin because I play with his dad. So <laughs> it's a small world and it goes fast too because uh, you're watching Devin go into the heart of his career. Um, I remember the night you got drafted in New York. Somebody who was a New Yorker and a former coach and in the media like me, everybody asked me about you. And I said, you, he'll be fine. He's going to be very good. What do you remember about draft night in Madison Square Garden and then the New York Knicks that, that night? Uh, you know, it was a tough night. Uh, as you know, you get, you get, if you're not number one pick, they, the, 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 the Knicks fans are going to boo you. And so in that theater at the Garden, it was not <laughs> easy. But I honestly, it was an instant, you know, it was a motivation for me. You know, I was like, okay, these guys, they don't know who I am. They don't know what I do. Uh, I'm going to show them. And so it was just the motivation since, you know, yeah. day one for me. What was it like a big, you know, young, single Italian guy in New York City? When you think back, not so much on the court, I'll ask you about that. But what, what was being in New York, number one pick of the Knicks? You got to tell me what that was like. Uh, I, I'll say it was a pretty cool experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, especially especially being in uh, in New York is just uh, amazing. When you when you're young and and you you experience a city like that, it was just uh, you know it was an amazing experience, and uh, uh, I I I loved it. Uh, I loved it on the court yeah. and off the court. So. Yeah, what's Madison Square Garden like on a night where you're cooking and the Knicks are playing well? Is I is. It's one of the best feelings ever. Uh, I don't think that you get those feelings in any other uh, arena. The garden is just the garden. So, yeah. You have any particular night that you remember where you think back and you go, I can't believe I, I did that? Uh, I think that, of course, my, my first two seasons, we didn't have a winning record, but my third season, we had a winning record. And so I remember that season. Uh, with, uh, you know, great memories, especially because, you know, like uh, you know this, but when you win in New York, there is nothing like it. And so when we were able to bring that, you know, winning record just by winning a lot of games uh, in, in New York, it was just, you know, it was just uh, great. I think if you stayed there, you'd be like uh, Der you'd be like Derek Jeter or uh, Lundqvist, the goalie for the Rangers, you know, yeah. if you had stayed that, there. That, that would be uh, tough. I appreciate that. Being like my man, Derek Jeter, would be tough. But Yeah. No, I think you would have been a very, very you, – and you still are, but very, very popular. But when you got traded and you go to Denver and you play for George, but the first time you, – you knew this was a business, but what was that feeling like when the, when the trade goes down? Um, it, was, uh, it was strange. I honestly, you know, I didn't expect it. Uh, even if you know you know what the business is, until you really experience a trade like that, you really don't know what the NBA business is. Uh, and like you said, sometimes it's just a crazy business. It happens. You just gotta, you know, focus on the next chapter and and just do your job. Because you've been traded a couple times and signed at different places, what's the advice you give to a to a young NBA player? Unless you're a superstar, you're going to be traded a couple times. What do you what do you what would what advice would you give a young player in the league who's going to go through this a few times? Uh, I think just focus on on the stuff that you can control, and that's that's yeah. doing your job and be the best ver version of yourself, and put the work in every day. These are the only things that you can control. And so, can you be the best at these couple of things that I just said? Yes, you can. 
and, and so you just got to focus on that. It doesn't matter if you play in Chicago, New York, Denver, whatever you play. Uh, you just got to be do, do, do your job and focus on your job. Another part of NBA basketball is injuries, and you've had your share. Um, how do you stay mentally focused through, you know, like it, it's been everything. It's been a hip. It's been a back. It's been an ACL, hands. How do you stay mentally focused when you love this game so much and there's nights where you, you, you're not physically ready to go out there? It's, it's tough. Uh, it's tough, but I think that, like I said before, every, every tough experience makes you stronger not just body-wise, but also uh, mentally, especially mentally, mentally-wise. Uh, and yeah. it's just another, another challenge and another chance to get better. That's the way I view it. How have you, how is your team, you, your whole team has had so many injuries this year, and yet you've, you're on this hot streak right now, 17 and five or something crazy like that. How, how does a team like yours deal with night in, night out, know, know this guy, know that guy, uh, how do you handle that? I think that, you know, the coach and the coaching staff are doing a great job preparing us every game. And also, of course, all the, the, you know, my teammates and the guys that we got are just amazing. And everybody since the beginning has been a next, next man, next man mentality. Uh, and everybody being, being ready, especially knowing that this season schedule wise was going to be a crazy season. Uh, we knew that we had to be, everybody had to be ready. Uh, and everybody's been doing an amazing job. You've been on good teams and some not so good teams. So when this team early was struggling and now all of a sudden you see the confidence growing, like how, how, how do the veterans, have you talked to guys, these young players and, and have explained to them, this is what can happen when we play together. I mean, this is new for the Hawks and yeah, you it's saw new. this coming last I, summer. I remember, I remember uh, it was, it was crazy because we were about to win our fourth uh, game in a row and we went up, winning eight in a row. Uh, it was crazy because I was talking to, to Trey and a couple of other guys and they told me, hey, since we've been here, we never won four in a row. I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so, so you see winning four and five and six and seven and eight in a row. And, you know, you get that. Now they got that confidence. Now they know that this could happen. And now they know that, that by playing the right way and play the way that, that they've been playing and we've been playing, you know, you can make this stuff happen. Um, now they know uh, you got to get through it to to understand it and to know you you cannot just explain it and 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 think that the young guys get it. Uh, they have to go through it and experience it. And you know that we've been doing a pretty good job. You've been in the NBA locker room before games like a thousand times. So now when you walk into the locker room, uh, do you sense the confidence? And no matter who you're playing. For sure, for sure. Since the confidence, but the, the, the thing that I like the most that I can, that I see that it, it was has been changing since compared to the beginning of the season is that uh, when there is a moment that the, the the momentum is going away from the game and we are going, we are up by ten and then we are going back down and stuff. You could see that the guy are are mad. You can see that when you lose a game, the guys are mad. Uh, they want to play the next game to get back on track. Uh, you are by 10, you are by 20, and you can see the guys refocusing and focusing and talking in timeouts saying, hey, we are by 20, we, we need to go up by 30 and win by 40. You know, that, that kind of, those kind of things that they were not happening at the beginning, they are happening now. Yeah, it's obvious, you can tell. And uh, again, watching Trey transform is nice because it's taken some work. 
from the coaches and him yeah, <laughs> and his teammates. Sure. Uh, well, that's good. Okay, let me. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Your career next year, two years, three years, four years. I hope you play five more years. Um, what you are very thoughtful about life after basketball. I've, I've, we had you on a radio show before the draft. You talk about, uh, you know, what you're doing with business and things like that. What do you see for yourself as your next chapter after after professional basketball? Uh, it's a great question. I think that, you know, with all the, the investments that I've been doing, there are a couple of, you know, more than a couple of options that I can ex that I could exploit once I'm done. Uh, but of course, I think that the world of finance is something that always uh, that I always liked, uh, that I have always studied. Uh, my dad studied it when he was uh, younger. And so that's something that we always talk about. And that's something that I like to do. And so I, I will see myself, I work with different companies, you know, Goldman Sachs and, you know, a lot of other different companies. And so to, to work, uh, you know, with them, for them and trying to find a way to be useful for a company like that, uh, it would be it would be very motivating and exciting for me. Your dad studied economics, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I remember that. Um Maybe someday you run uh, Armani. Yeah, that'll be that's an <laughs> entire empire to run. That'll be tough. <laughs> Why not, Mr. Armani? I have to ask you seriously: between Italy and the United States, how many Armani suits do you have in your closet? Uh, a lot. Can't count. Them. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it like playing in Milan as a young player with the with the empire right there? Of course, it's an amazing. You grew up there, so you know that city better than anybody, pretty much. What was it like playing, you know, for the Armani family, really? Uh, I think it was a great experience, especially for me, for a young guy like me from there, playing at home. It was just yeah. amazing. But also the, the, the part that I like is that uh, Mr. Armani was very open for me to understand also the, 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 the business behind it and, and the word of Armani, not just in basketball. And so um, that was the part that was very exciting, too. And so he, he put me in some modeling, too. So, <laughs> so I, I was young. Now I'm not that young or cute anymore, but I like to think I am. But it was great. Too. I think you could still model the, the Armani. You'd be like Pat Riley. Yeah, you exactly. could be like Pat Riley, right? Yeah. Back in the day. But if you had to if you had, uh will you will you be will you be bicontinental? Will you be mostly back in Italy when you retire or will you have a presence here? It would be both. Definitely be both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cuz you know, after all these years in in the in the states and you know, hopefully many more to come uh, to stay here, it will always be back and forth. Yeah. Any desire to be in basketball when you're done playing, or is it going to be business? You think? Uh, I think I think it's going to be a little bit of both. Uh, I'm not a. I don't know if I'll be, I'll be into coaching. I'm not sure about that, but definitely I'm no. more like a front no. office. You know, being being <laughs> exactly being being a front office and maybe you yeah. know scouting <laughs> something like this, and you know trying to understand because I, I grew up in Europe, so understanding how a talent in the States can translate in Europe or vice versa, I think is, is pretty, pretty cool. Yes, I agree. Uh, we've seen that many times. The Americans going to play in the Euro League and Italy. And of course, 
the adjustment now. Are you amazed? Last last thing. I'm not. Thank you so much, uh, Gallo. Are you are you amazed at the Im- impact that the league is now almost 25 percent born outside the United States? When you see guys uh, before a game, are you amazed at the impact like international basketball has had on the league? Yeah, I'm amazed uh, because you know when I when I came into the league in '08, it was not like that. Uh, the number has been growing and growing, and it's just amazing the, the 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 work that the NBA has done, making this game more and more global. At the same time, it makes, as you understand, it makes the business even more crazier because it's the same number of players, but it's more competition, and so that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah, I agree. And plus, you guys come over, you bring that team-oriented ethic to uh, to the NBA, which has been powerful. Uh, hey, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, thank you. Thank you for carving out some time. Anytime. Yeah, your career has gone great. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, always been a fan from way back. So, uh, you, you stay healthy, get healthy, long playoff run. Hawks are the hot team right now. And, uh, I wish you all the success on and off the court. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Many thanks to my man, Danilo Gallinari for his insight on, uh, what's been a great career. Got a taste of Italian basketball and uh, Mike D'Antoni was mentioned in there. And uh, all the best of luck to Danilo as the Atlanta Hawks head into the playoffs. We recorded that uh, podcast with Danilo a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we thank him because it's a busy part of his year. Uh, And kudos to him for the impact he's had on the terrific young Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, So thanks, Danilo. Next week, we've got a very special guest. With the much-anticipated Basketball Africa League set to start here in the middle of this month, May, we've got league president and NBA executive Amadou Gallo-Fall on to talk about the creation of the league as well as the growth of basketball in Africa as a whole. Also, his incredible journey. Um, I've known Gallo for 20 years now. You'll hear about his playing days in D.C., his relationship with John Thompson, Donnie Nelson and the Dallas Mavericks, and of course, uh, the much anticipated uh, start of the BAL, which he has been a, an incredible part of. You'll hear all about the uh, why basketball in Africa, a continent of 54 countries. I didn't know that until I looked it up, is having an impact on the NBA as well. So hit that subscribe button on the Sirius XM app. Remember, we're, that'll be the 50th show of World of Basketball, and you can go back and listen to the to many of the great guests we've already had on if you've missed them. So uh, with that, as I promise, every week, next week, it'll be down in Africa, but it's going to be another place in my World of Basketball. World of Basketball is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Chris Tyler, sound designed by Robert Moore, Andy King is the Director of Sports Podcasting for Sirius XM. A special thanks also to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Mr. Steve Cohen. Sirius XM Podcasts.